Hi, my name is Amanda Ziegler, and our gathering scripture today comes from Lamentations 5, verse 15 through 22. The joy has left our hearts, our dancing has turned to mourning. The garlands have fallen from our heads, weep for us because we have sinned. Our hearts are sick and weary, and our eyes grow dim with tears. For Jerusalem is empty and desolate, a place haunted by jackals. But Lord, you remain the same forever. Your throne continues from generation to generation. Why do you continue to forget us? Why have you abandoned us for so long? Restore us, O Lord, and bring us back to you again. Give us back the joys we once had. Or have you utterly rejected us? Are you angry with us still? Southeastern Wisconsin was blasted with a severe thunderstorm this past week, Tuesday. And in the wake of the storm, the flag at Acuity Insurance in Sheboygan, a flag that lays claim to the world's largest free-flying American flag, was ripped in two. When Morgan showed me the picture of the flag taken by an individual's cell phone, I said, that's a metaphor for our country right now. Many of us have been dealing with the ripping apart of our country over the past two weeks. Let's just watch some video. The growing outrage in Minneapolis, protesters clashing with officers in the streets over the death of a black man in police custody. Nationwide, from Chicago to New York to Denver, there is mounting outrage over the death of 46-year-old George Floyd. What's his name? George Floyd! What's his name? George Floyd! What's his name? Never gonna get my brother back. <laughs> we need justice. We need justice. Yeah. Those four officers—they executed my brother in broad daylight. Our young generation is clearly lost, man. Clearly lost, man. Like, like. I don't even know what to say no more, man. Like, you youngsters just going around, just busting guns in crowds, kids getting killed, you know, and it's clearly the generation after us, man, that's so lost, man. One day it's gonna be you and God, you going up or you going down, you know what I'm saying? That's gonna be it. The tearing apart of the country didn't just stop with the Twin Cities. It came all the way home here to Milwaukee and ended up right in our own backyards. Let's watch this video. 
Yeah, Eden, so we've moved to MLK in Clark here in uh, more of the central uh, area of Milwaukee where we found this business here that I'm not sure if it was vacant before or what exactly it was, but you can see it's boarded up. There was a man here that was boarding it up uh, as we uh, arrived here on scene. You can see the windows up there smashed, and then there's a lot of trash and glass here on the sidewalk. And then if you take a look in the street here, there's a, a burn pile that cars are having to navigate around here this morning as well. Now, this has all happened over overnight here in the area as demonstrators took to the street. We had peaceful protests during the day and marches uh, at night and that uh, that led up to this. Now they spent some time on the east side. This video from Edgewood in Oakland. You can see one person on top of a car as others surrounded him. Now News Chopper 12 was also up overnight. It shows this long line of demonstrators, some on foot and then others in their cars stopping traffic, shutting down intersections as they went along. Our crew last night witnessed police arrest at least six people, but no official numbers from the Milwaukee Police Department just yet. This was all happening as a curfew was in place here in Milwaukee. When I look at our country, in many ways it feels like it's collapsing. First COVID-19, then the murder of George Floyd, and now on top of it you have these what started out as good, peaceful protests that have been hijacked into violent riots. I mean, almost every major city was on fire last weekend. I've never seen anything like this in my lifetime, and neither have many of you. Reading Lamentations chapter 5 has me saying, yeah, that's how I feel. Look at verse 15. This is some language that Jeremiah uses that we can really connect with right now. Verse 15, joy has left our hearts. Our dancing has turned to mourning. And verse 17, our hearts are sick and weary, and our eyes grow dim with tears. I know my heart feels sick, and I've done my fair share of crying throughout all of these things. Lamentations 5 is a poignant chapter to read right now because the world was collapsing around Judah as the Babylonians invaded, and it feels like our nation today is collapsing. I find it really easy to step into the shoes of Jeremiah as he mourns for his city. I find myself relating to the prophet as it feels like the world is falling apart around us. There was this picture taken from Hudson, Wisconsin, which is just across the St. Croix River from the Twin Cities. In the photo, you can see the glow in the sky from all the fires set in the city. When I saw that picture, it occurred to me that that's probably what the sky looked like above the city of Jerusalem when Babylon invaded and set Jerusalem on fire. I have a few friends in the Twin Cities and I've been checking up on them during all of this unrest. My friend Joey Richoff posted on Facebook, all I've been hearing tonight has been gunshots and sirens. And as the violence reaches Joey's neighborhood, he shared with me that one of his biggest concerns is Antifa. He sent me this screenshot of a message put up by Antifa about the riots in the Twin Cities and, and I'd be fearful if a violent group was making threats like this in my own neighborhood with my family there in my house. I also checked on my friend Chad Wensink, who also lives in Minneapolis. Chad's church and home are in ground zero of the protests. Chad sent some pictures he took from about 500 feet away from his church. Chad said, we heard gunshots outside our house last night. Our church is in the middle of a war zone. Most of our block has been burned to ashes. And when I asked if the church building was okay, Chad said that the church building was still standing, but it had been graffitied. 
and Chad describes his pictures saying, broken water mains flooding the street, gunshots, fires, glass, it's all a war zone. Many of you know about the tanker truck that drove through the protesters. And by the grace of God, nobody was killed, but my friend Chad was about 10 feet away from that truck. He sent me a text saying, you probably heard about the gas truck that ran into a crowd of protesters on 35W. I was the front car stopped on the highway when that truck whizzed by at about 70 miles per hour, wailing on the horn. He missed me by about 10 feet, and I had a front row seat of him driving into the mob. There was gasoline leaking on the road, cars and people running everywhere, people driving the wrong way on the freeway just to get away. It was total chaos for an hour and a half. I think Lamentations 5 could not be more timely for our world right now. Chapter 5 is Jeremiah's prayer for Jerusalem, and if it's anything right now that we need, it's prayer. How fitting that Jeremiah would close out his book of lament by praying. The question I want us to ask, and the question Jeremiah implicitly asks in chapter 5 is, where is your hope? As we turn to God in prayer for our nation that is so broken right now, where is your hope? There are two verses that give contrasting answers to this question in Lamentations chapter 5. For the first answer to where is your hope, let's go to Lamentations 5 verse 6, which says, We submitted to Egypt and Assyria to get enough food to survive. Now, Jeremiah has mentioned time and time again how the Babylonian siege of Jerusalem cut off the food supply and people were so hungry that some of them resorted to cannibalism. The lack of food was one of the reasons why Judah was seeking an alliance against this superpower, Babylon. In verse 6, Jeremiah mentions alliances that Judah had made with both Assyria and Egypt. The Assyrian alliance had happened a century and a half earlier, when Assyria was the superpower that conquered the northern kingdom of Israel. But at the time that Jeremiah is writing Lamentations 5 verse 6, Assyria has long been conquered by Babylon. But Jeremiah is reminding the people of what their forefathers did in trying to ally with Assyria. This is why in the next verse, Jeremiah says in verse 7, Our ancestors sinned, but they have died and we are suffering the punishment they deserve. He's saying, our ancestors tried this, and it didn't work, and now we're receiving their punishment. Jeremiah also mentions Egypt, which was the more recent alliance. As a last-ditch effort to try to fend off Babylon, Judah made an alliance with Egypt. The move was decried by Jeremiah himself. Look at Jeremiah 2, verse 18, and then verse 36. Jeremiah says, What have you gained by your alliances with Egypt? and your covenants with Assyria. What good to you are the streams of the Nile or the waters of the Euphrates River? And then verse 36 says, First here, then there, you flit from one ally to another asking for help, but your new friends in Egypt will let you down just as Assyria did before. So back to our question, where is your hope? Jeremiah mentions the alliances with Assyria in the past and with Judah more recently because the alliances answer, my hope is in people. My hope is in man. The alliances with Assyria and Egypt reveal a hope that is in armies, that is in treaties, that is in diplomacy, that is in politics, that is in might, 
a hope that is in resources. So where is your hope right now? As we go straight from COVID to the burning down of America and the fracturing of America, where is your hope right now? Is it in people? Is your hope in politics? Is your hope in the current president or the upcoming presidential election? Is your hope in public policy? Is your hope in governors? Is your hope in the police force? Is your hope in social justice? Is your hope in the National Guard? You know, it really ought not to surprise us when fallen humanity acts like fallen humanity. What we're seeing right now are layers and layers of fallenness stacked on top of one another. When that officer knelt for eight minutes on George Floyd's neck while Floyd said he couldn't breathe, that is sin at work. The very fact that racism continues to plague us is sin at work. There was a, a black police chief who was shot and killed in St. Louis. That's sin at work. When opportunists hijack peaceful protests to turn them violent, that's sin at work. When looters begin smashing the windows of businesses and stealing and setting fire, that's sin at work. The media only cover what's divisive to the exclusion of what's bringing people together right now because covering division drives click and traffic to their outlets. That type of media coverage is sin at work. When I talked on the phone with my friend Joey Richoff, he said that his wife went essentially without sleep for two nights in a row because all night long, all they could hear is gunshots and sirens. He said he was able to sleep through it, but his wife was unable to. Those sirens and gunshots are indicative of sin at work. If your hope is in humans or in human systems, take a moment to look at what humans and human systems have gotten us. In Jeremiah's day, hope in Egypt got them a Babylonian invasion. Today, hope in humans and human systems have gotten us a country torn apart. They've gotten us a country on fire. Where is your hope? If your hope is in humanity or human systems, your hope is in the wrong place. But now look at Lamentations 5 verse 19. This is the fourth to last verse in the entire book. Jeremiah says, But Lord, you remain the same forever. Your throne continues from generation to generation. Where is your hope? Jeremiah is placing his hope in the Lord. Jeremiah reminds himself and his people that though Jerusalem is burning down around them, God is still on his throne. Even though when they look over at where the temple once stood, it's just a pile of rubble. And with the destruction of the temple went the Holy of Holies, God's throne room. And so when they look at the earthly manifestation of God's throne room, it lies in shambles. But though they look at that, Jeremiah reminds them, God's throne room in heaven is perfectly intact. 
Not only is his throne in heaven perfectly intact, it will remain from generation to generation. God's throne room will remain for eternity. Our hope is in the one who reigns from generation to generation. Like many of you, it can be hard to believe that God still reigns when it feels like the world is burning down around us. But here is some evidence that God still reigns and His church is alive. In Milwaukee, pastors Raymond Monk, Micaiah Young, Kenneth Locke II, and Marcus Arrington led a prayer march for justice last Sunday. And here's what it looked like. to my friend Chad in Minneapolis. He told me that he's been spending evening after evening on the street out in front of his church, feeding people and praying with people. Chad says, there's a literal army of believers and volunteers out helping every day, but they don't get the press. And then he told me that he saw a miracle where they were praying over this woman and this woman's hip was actually healed as they pray for her, right in front of her, their eyes. Our God reigns, folks. Where is your hope? Our hope ought not be in humans or human systems. Our hope ought to be in the one who reigns on his throne forever. He was reigning when Babylon invaded Judah, and he reigns during everything we're facing today.